Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation by two guys who are a little, who are a little bit blah. <laughs> you know, my, my, uh, my embarrassment sometimes manifests itself in, uh, in stumbling over my words. Cause, so. Causing you not to be able to communicate. Yeah, We're going to have uh, to figure I, out something else to talk about at the top of the show, because there's nine episodes in, and we are still talking about it. <laughs> talking about our embarrassment? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about something I'm not embarrassed about. Okay. Uh, I was followed by Mr. Chocolate Rain. Tayzonday? Tayzonday. On Twitter? Today. Yeah. Hey. And I can only guess... That it's because of the uh, the wild popularity of our Star Trek podcast. Uh, now let me ask. You, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, chocolate rain on your parade. Oh, no, don't do that, please. <laughs> but does he follow like eighty five thousand people? Or <laughs> look, man, he still has to see my profile and then click follow. I guess so. Or one of his interns. <laughs> You think Chocolate Rain has interns? Come on. <laughs> He's like a famous YouTube guy, right? You know what would be awesome is if Tay uh, did our intro. Oh, that would be like that'd be beautiful. You know what? When you have another podcast, at what point do you have celebrity intros? I mean, my other podcast is, uh, I would say, mildly successful. <laughs> so I don't think I'm quite at the celebrity intro phase yet. Oh jeez, I I wouldn't say that at all. I am profoundly envious of the popularity of your other podcast, and I only <laughs> hope that we get half as popular as that one. This, uh, you know, part of the impetus for starting this was that we are doing a show about something that everybody already likes, or at least you know a lot of people already like, and they the people that like it like it a lot. Um, I think we may have shot ourselves in the foot making nine back to back episodes just shitting on it relentlessly <laughs> you think that's a mistake huh <laughs> it may it may turn out to have been i don't know i've been thinking a lot about it and like the series gets a lot better it sure pretty does. soon yeah and i'm wondering what we're going to talk about once it does <laughs> we'll have to find we'll have to find the funny Somewhere else. This, this show is about to get real academic in about five episodes. <laughs> yeah. A lot more discussion of, you know, Federation politics, when and where the prime directive should and should not be applied, finer details of how Data's positronic brain works. Once uh, Picard's pedophilia gets disproven once and for all. <laughs> once he's definitively proved to be a true hero in the, in the old sense of the word. You know, he keeps uh, he keeps turning down Beverly. Like, he's not held doing himself any favors. Yeah. Ben, why don't you take us through Hide and Q? Okay, so this is, uh, this is that Q episode that I almost insisted we didn't watch. Um, and about five minutes in, I, I was regretting that. <laughs> Uh, so the Enterprise is hurrying to a Federation outpost that has had a methane explosion injuring hundreds of colonists, I guess. And uh, 
as they're what what did that smell like <laughs> yeah i don't know sounds like uh chief engineer argyle was taking some shore leave yeah you don't want that free grazing yeah. on those uh on those outer ring planets <laughs> so they're stopped by the pendleton blanket in space again because the q entity has reappeared and it shows up on the bridge as this cg fleur-de-lis type of object which i guess they're implying is what the q really looks like which is a very strange choice and i don't think we ever see the q look quite like that again but i mean it's sort of like a glowing ball with three snakes out of it right yeah would that make the snakes the lee or the fleur Mm, i don't know i don't know what that thing was supposed to be if you could take the shape of anything why why would you look like what q does most of the time john delancey Uh, that you know what that sounded meaner than I than I actually intended it. <laughs> well, so uh, so shortly enough, he's uh, Starfleet Admiral John Delancey, and he's got a very uh, very rockin' gold accented Starfleet uniform on. Yeah, it puts Worf's sash to to shame. Seriously, sure. and uh, I guess he sort he's of all Mr. T'd out. Yeah, I guess he's he's there to arbitrarily fuck with them again and uh yeah he just sort of wants to play a game right yeah so he so to make this game happen he transports all of the bridge officers that are there uh i guess i guess troy is not in this episode they just kind of (laughs) yeah they they threw in a piece of captain's log that was like yeah uh, troy took a shuttle somewhere so we're not gonna see her yeah and i guess i read that uh marina sirtis was worried that she was getting cut from the show when uh when they didn't have her in an entire episode. Um, Fortunately, they did not. Um, Things probably work out in her character's favor because if you're going to give Riker the Q power, (laughs) uh, probably his biggest target is going to be Troy. She she could have drowned That was a very gross joke. So they're transported to a classic season one planet, which is a bunch of shitty styrofoam boulders in a room with a bad sky that's just projected on a back wall. And they didn't key out the green sky. I thought that was that was really lazy. Yeah, it really does look like a green screen. Um, <laughs> they are speculating about what planet they're on. There's two moons, and um, Q is there in a french field marshal costume planning a battle and Riker goes up to him and and you know they're kind of they're all very indignant and in their way and um the Q sort of starts drawing up the the rules of the game it's a a game where death is on the line and uh yar gets real pissed at him and says that he's gone way too far and she winds up back on the bridge of the enterprise in the penalty box and so back on the bridge picard is there by himself he can't get out none of the doors work none of the radios work uh like he tries hitting buttons and gets the uh that button didn't work noise he tried uh uh, he tried uh turning it off and turning it back on again (laughs) yeah he unplugged the ship and plugged it back in (laughs) you know all all the standard methods didn't work for him there is a really, really uncomfortable scene here where Yar explains that 
they're stuck in this game and she's in the penalty box and if somebody else gets put in the penalty box she'll die what in the hell am i doing crying don't worry there is a new ship standing order on the bridge when one is in the penalty box tears are permitted (laughs) captain it's incredibly badly written, and it is a much bigger acting challenge than Denise Crosby was really up to to deliver these shitty, shitty lines. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't blame her at all. No, like, it's, it's not not her fault. It's a writer's room problem. Yeah, she makes a pass at Picard. Also, does she? Did you not hear that part? No, it's it's almost a throwaway. She gets real upset. Yeah, at the prospect of dying. He suddenly. actually says. There's a new rule on the bridge that if you're in the penalty box, crying is okay. Yeah, which is, uh, barf. Yeah. But he's comforting her, like, he puts a hand on her shoulder, like, she starts to feel better, and she turns back toward him, and is like, Jean-Luc, if you weren't the captain. And then immediately another action piece happens, and so it's almost a throwaway before the next scene, but a pass was made. Wow. I must have been dozing in and out. (laughs) Uh, wow. Well, you really missed out. So there's some fun fun and games back on the uh, game planet where, uh, you know, Worf is uh, running around scouting and seeing what they're up against. And he discovers these uh, soldiers that are dressed in French military uniforms but are kind of aliens from the Halloween store kind of <laughs> faces. Yeah, we get another another kind of rubber mask alien here yeah described as vicious animal things <laughs> like come on guys um you, you got a thesaurus in the writer's room don't you you would think so Worf's running around and like he sort of engages the 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 pig animals like he uh he fist fights a couple of them in a real kirk style <laughs> like he jumps into frame on on what clearly like a mini trampoline right <laughs> like like, and tackles a few of them. He's really mixing it up. He's really, like, really socking some some vicious animal things around uh, on a scouting mission. Yeah. And uh, at some point in here, Q and Picard have this conversation where they sort of make a wager on the outcome of the game. And if Picard gets what he wants, Q will never bother them again. And I guess Q can do whatever he wants if... Q can do whatever he wants either way, but I guess he's going to keep his word. But Q says that he's definitely going to win because he's going to offer Riker something he can't resist, and that is Q powers. So uh, they go back to the game, and now they don't have their phasers, and the aliens kill Worf by bayonetting him, and then they bayonet Wesley, and there's a great scene where Wesley, like, looks down and sees the blade coming through his belly, <laughs> screams yeah. at the sky. Wesley, uh, someone who's used to something hard and sharp uh, <laughs> coming at him. Poking him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks down and is a little less surprised than the rest of the crew, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> poor kid dies, and uh, I guess Riker uses his newly gotten power to... Uh, return the crew to the ship and bring Worf and Wesley back to life. So they're back on the ship and 
they realize that like no time has actually passed since the Q showed up and they're still on their way to this planet to help these Federation citizens and Picard makes Riker promise not to use these Q powers ever again because it's at our current stage of evolution we can't be trusted with power like this and they have the sort of classic uh, you know power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely talk and so they get down to the planet and there's like four people left alive and they've spent 10 times as much money on the set for this outpost as they did on the planet that they're running around on earlier because it's like it's like a believable building with you know scorch marks and you know rubble everywhere flooding water going through it too yeah it's one of the coolest sets in the show period i mean it's it's really cool you get data like picking up styrofoam boulders and throwing them over his shoulder Mm -hmm. that's fun to see yeah uh and uh and they discover like a little girl under some some rocks who is just just shuffled loose this mortal coil and Riker does not bring her back to life because he made a promise to the captain. So they get She's got blood coming out of her mouth. That's how you know she's dead. Yeah. That's classic uh dead person makeup <laughs> right there. Yep. A good time so often has a downside doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. 
but do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up, the episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So they get back to the ship and Riker's kind of getting bigger bigger and bigger in his britches and uh, starts like talking to the captain in a very casual first name basis and uh q shows back up and he starts walking around like the riker we get to know a little bit later too yeah like real puffy chest Mm -hmm. real cock of the walk yeah he like goes and when he goes back to like talk to the captain about the fact that he didn't bring this girl back to life on the planet he he leans over the uh security uh console thing in as close to a sitting on the on a chair backwards as as you could get (laughs) Um, yeah i mean who's the big dog now yeah so uh hugh comes back and is like hey Riker, why don't you use your powers for good and show that so that you're such a nice guy and give all these people everything they want so the first thing he does is snap his fingers and turn wesley from boy to man and what a (laughs) man he turns him into an edo (laughs) yeah he really does (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a very funny moment because uh, Jordy goes like, "Hey, nice looking, Wesley." You're ten years older, a man. Hey, Wes, not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's real creepy. That's very... And they do that thing with with Wesley's voice where they like slow it down a half of a click yeah. to make it sound deeper. They pitch shift him to sound. It's like so. It's this other actor, but with uh, Will Wheaton's voice dubbed in, which is like actually something I want to request of you when you're uh, producing these episodes. If you could just <laughs> make me sound a little more masculine. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> he offers to make Data a real boy, but Data declines, and then he gives Jordy his eyesight and he takes off his visor and just turns around and looks at yard and he's like wow you're really pretty too uh which is is that how you took that because i thought i saw that as like confirming the suspicion that jordy has had the hots for tasha the whole time yeah i mean we'll talk about this a lot more as we get later into the series but uh jordy has a very very problematic way of dealing with women uh, yeah, like he, he's he's very close to being like a men's rights activist type of guy. Yeah, like if there's one uh, bridge crew person who would be most interested in like the seduction community, uh, it's probably Jordy. It's a hundred percent Jordy. 
Oh, uh, yeah. He's he's real awkward. Yeah. So Jordy asked Riker to put him back like he was, and then uh, so does Wesley. Says, like, I want to get there at my own speed. He gives Worf uh, a lady friend, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gives Worf a female Klingon who Worf proceeds to beat the shit out of. And then Jordy has one of the all-timers. He's, he's like, Worf. Is that what sex is to you? <laughs> She's from a world now alien to me. Worf, is this your idea of sex? This is sex. But I have no place for it in my life now. Jordy, who basically admits he's never seen what sex is or knows how it works at all, yeah. after watching Worf beat the shit out of someone. <laughs> like, I think he clearly has a backstory that's... Pretty dark. Pretty dark. And and he admits it in that moment. Yeah. That uh that female Klingon character is wearing uh a pretty like dead on Beyonce costume. Oh yeah. Like this is like something I feel like Beyonce definitely would would have considered for a stage costume in the uh in the on the run tour. Yeah, it's uh it's fishnets and armor. It's fishnets and armor with like a it, it's like a bathing suit format with some bedazzling and some jewelry to it. Yeah, yeah, and they they just sort of growl at each other <laughs> and hit each other. Yeah. We're starting to understand what Worf meant when he said that he would have to restrain himself too much with Earth females. Right. So, because uh, Earth females are not into getting walloped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure. Go figure. So, uh, so Worf... Beats the shit out of this girl, and then is finally like, "I'm not attracted to this. Like, uh, like this is not what I'm into anymore." Yeah. And then, uh, and then Riker takes her away. Yeah, and uh, Riker's uh, duly embarrassed that he kind of, you know, thought giving everybody a saccharine sweet gift like this would uh, would make them want him to have these powers and use them, and so. Picard is sort of vindicated in his wager, and the Q starts like yelling at the sky. Like, I guess he's in trouble with the rest of the continuum, and uh, I guess he gets sort of like beamed away or whatever the continuum equivalent of that is. And uh, Picard is duly pleased, and his trust in Riker is confirmed. Yeah, I mean, from the moment the Q beams away and the conclusion of the episode where they journey along along their way i feel like is maybe 15 seconds it is a really weird transition yeah. where uh q's gone riker's powers are gone okay back they to normal sit, they all they all sit down on the bridge and picard's like engage let's go on to the next yeah. <laughs> like they don't really take any time to unpack what just happened yeah uh unlike us Right. We've we've unpacked the shit out of this episode. We will dwell on every little weird thing. Hey Ben. Yeah. Who's your drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I gotta go with Yar on this one. It's not uh not Denise Crosby's fault, it's whoever wrote the the scenes that have Yar in them. Just really really whiffed big time. Uh but the character is hugely problematic and ridiculous in this episode and uh yeah i uh i put i put her in my penalty box <laughs> uh yeah i think your 
your vote of Tasha like underscore something that I wanted to talk about, which was like uh, she is not given much of a chance with the dialogue that's given to her. No, it's sort of the first time that she's had anything to talk about that wasn't sort of a security matter. Like, yeah, this is the first. I mean, I guess other than banging away on data, this is the first time her character has kind of had a personal moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, it, they just really like it's very ham fisted. I I I think Denise Crosby left the show because she wanted to go, you know, do something more serious as an actor. That makes sense. And that's why her character gets killed off very soon. But uh, I, I I really can't blame her for that decision based on the fucking scene where she's crying and in, in uh, Picard's arms. Just yeah. really, really weird and uncomfortable to watch. I think, I think what's interesting is like uh, the character of Q is given uh, dialogue that's just as bad. Yeah. I mean, as I was watching this episode, I came away really impressed with John Delancey's ability to deliver with a straight face <laughs> and like give a line reading that really took the attention of the viewer to himself instead of the shitty dialogue. Totally. It's sort of a magic trick that was really impressive. And he does this time and time again. They put him in these silly costumes and and they make him be super dramatic. And I am never laughing at him or his performance. I am amused by by what he's doing to the crew in a way that like makes all other considerations fall away. Like I I think John Delancey's awesome. Yeah, he, he and Patrick Stewart that. both kind of pull that pull that magic trick. And and there's a really fun scene where they're kind of trading Shakespeare quotes in the in the captain's ready room, and it's it's pretty clear that they can both like yeah can both do some Shakespeare justice. And uh, almost that scene justifies the turd of an episode that surrounds it. For the longest time. We, the viewer sort of understands that Wesley is their proxy yeah uh for for this universe but after this episode i sort of wonder if q isn't a better proxy because like time and time again he sort of sees the potential of the crew and you know in parentheses the potential of the tv show and is like constantly frustrated with them he thinks they're being stupid. Right. He, he challenges them in a way that they're not usually challenged. And it sort of made me think that, like, maybe Q is is actually the proxy for the viewer instead of Wesley. That's very interesting. He definitely runs through the entire series. Like, I think he has an episode every season. And uh, he's on the first first episode and last episode of the series as well. So that's an interesting theory. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll enjoy my next Q episode more. Hmm. Maybe you will. I hope you do. Uh my drunk Shimoda, drunk Shimoda. is Commander Riker. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because um this is a character that we understand to be ready for command. He wants command. Hmm. He wants more responsibility. Yeah. He he's got a taste for adventure. Uh, and basically, he's given the ultimate ability to achieve that, and he throws it all away. And I think uh, I think it's pretty bullshit that he turns down the Q power. I think the far more realistic 
uh, conclusion to the story is that Riker accepts the power and then beams off the ship and we and we like never see him again. <laughs> like, how could anyone resist that power? Yeah. Like it is. Again, why would you? It's want basically to? like yeah. It's basically like like living the holodeck for real. Right. Why would like especially like after he already has it? Like why is what fealty does he have to Picard to you know make a promise like that? Yeah, that was that was dumb. It's sort of the bargain that the uh, that the uh, energy field alien that takes over Picard's brain a few episodes ago was offering Picard. Except for way better and more advanced, there's actually like a tangible upside to the to the bargain. Yeah, and that tension runs throughout the series. The whole idea of they could really do a lot of good, but they have rules about doing that. Mm-hmm. So they they would prefer to just stay out of it. Strange. Like, yeah, yeah, Riker, good one, man. You really blew it. <laughs> I think. I'm glad they kept him on though, because he's so handsome. Very easy on the eyes, that Riker. He's just walking around the ship giving giving girls boob jobs. Like, <laughs> like God, that, that would have to be so frustrating. You're walking around. Yeah. Suddenly you've got back pain. Yeah. <laughs> Your rack is ten times the size it was. God, just a just another Riker blowout. <laughs> you want to give that guy a wide berth. Yeah. Damok Angelad Tanaga. Oh man, uh, what's up next? What's our next episode? Next episode is called Haven. Uh, Counselor Troy is caught between her feelings for Riker and her devotion to family customs when she faces a prearranged marriage. So this will be a visit from my other least favorite running character in the Star Trek universe, which is Troy's mom. Uh, uh. Who is, uh, I think she was, um, she's the voice of the computer and also Gene Roddenberry's wife. Well, that's convenient. I think, what's her name? Majel Barrett or something like that? Everyone hates nepotism. <laughs> yeah, and for good reason. She's fucking annoying. Like, she's written uh. to be annoying and she succeeds. Uh. Well, uh, the reception uh, doesn't make it sound much better. An absolutely <laughs> dreadful shotgun wedding episode. And uh, Troy episodes tend to test the patience of even the most devoted Trek fan. <laughs> oh, no. I'll tell you what, man. I've got my veto out. I'm, I'm sort of rolling it around in my hand. Finger hovering over the f- veto trigger. God, what's... Th- but the thing is, like, I'm not reading ahead. If I veto this, we could get an even worse episode after. Mm, that's a good point. Oh, God. I just hate Troy's mom episodes. Yeah. It's it's so weird, like, that they, I mean, like, they clearly know that she's annoying because every time she comes on after this, the, like, the characters, like, roll their eyes and try to make excuses to not be there or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think, I think this says a lot about, like, how good she is at, at playing annoying. Like, it's one thing to, like, have an annoying character and it be the fault of the actor portraying them. Like, yeah. But in this case, I, th- I feel like her performance is effective because it's supposed to evoke strong feelings. So, like, I don't think it's her fault. I think it's just annoying character. Yep. Well, I'm... Fuck it, man. I'm going to veto. Oh, really? I don't want it. You... I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I think 
I think, Adam, just because I'm a diabolical asshole, I'm going to nullify your veto. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, that sucks. That means we're out of vetoes for the rest of the season. <laughs> and this this would be the season that you would want to vetoes. Oh, God. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Wow. Well, kind of a lot happened on this episode of the show and also this episode of the podcast. Yeah, this was a, uh, this was a big one. It was no, uh, it was no any... Picard Cosby bit, <laughs> but... <laughs> If you have any thoughts on the terrible mistakes we've made on this or any other episode, uh, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Yeah. Or uh, or you can hit us up on our spiffy new website, gawk.biz. Yeah. I don't know if there's actually a way for people to interact with us through that site, but, uh, you know. Isn't that how we would prefer it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Leave a message on our answering machine, our tape reel answering machine. <laughs> Yeah, also, um, if you really want to stick it to us and help other people find this podcast, leave a five-star review at iTunes. That will spread our shame further and wider. That's the most damage you could do to us, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess we'll be back uh, with another episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, we'll be we'll be dragged back to the next episode, given what you just did with the unveto. Yeah, sorry. God. All right, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time, guys. I've been Ben Harrison. I've been Adam Pranica. Bye. Bye. <laughs>